Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Saturday morning to you, New York Vinny, hanging out with you as usual on Drive Time Radio here on a Saturday morning, a wet, rainy uh, Saturday morning, the first holiday weekend of 2020. It's bad enough you forget what day it is, now you start to forget what year it is, it takes you a second to think about it, but the first kind of summertime holiday Weekend of the uh, year, the first weekend where people really get up and go places, and uh, not many people go in many places this weekend. It is Memorial Day, a day that we have set aside in this nation to honor those that gave the ultimate sacrifice for this country. And I'm always one of those people, and you'll see it on my social media, that do that. Uh, you know, Memorial Day is for those who were killed in action. Uh, you know, in our in our wars, in all of our wars, and Veterans Day is for those who served uh, in all of our wars, and Armed Forces Day is for those who serve now in our um, in our military. And I like to keep those three separate because I think they all deserve their day, and we are going to honor uh, those who have sacrificed, given the ultimate sacrifice for this country today on this radio show, as we are very reverent and cognizant of those who have done that in uh, on this show. And so we have a very good show set up for you. Hopefully um, it will all happen as planned. And by 9 o'clock this morning, you'll feel like you've gotten uh, your money's worth for the radio program. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we'll get a chance to spend some time uh, with uh, a gentleman who is one of the best automotive historians, one of the best racing, especially when it comes to the New York racing scene uh, that I have ever uh, bumped into, have ever talked to, have ever spent time with. Martin Shore will join us. Martin is legendary in the automotive circles. He is, um, well, he's been just about everything you, uh, you can be at, a, um, a, a car magazine or a, the PR side of the business. He's written books, over 20 books. Um, he used to be the uh, editor for high-performance cars, custom rodders, speed and supercars, Chevy Action. Vet, if you were a teenager in the 60s or the early 70s and you did like I did, ran to Maxie's Candy Store or whatever candy store, uh, when the magazines came in, and as soon as they put them out, maybe even snuck into the pile where they were still bound and pulled one out, uh, chances are, besides drag cartoons, that you read something that was edited or written or photographed by Martin Shore. And he will join us to talk about uh, one of the legendary cars in Corvette history, and that is the Comotion. Uh, that was owned by Charles Snyder. A story of Chaz is the name on the side of the car. Uh, Charles Snyder was uh, drafted into the military back in 1967 uh, after buying a 1967 427 Corvette uh, that was one of the hottest cars around on the street racing scene and on the drag strip and uh, was killed 
in Vietnam just a month after getting there. We'll tell you his story, the story of the car, both of them fascinating stories. A little bit later in the show, our cartoon of the week will pay tribute to our uh, fallen troops. We came up with a song that, uh, uh, be very honest with you, I didn't know existed up until uh, a couple of weeks ago, and when I heard it, it brought tears to my eyes. I hope it does the same for you. We'll have our Drive Time Radio Road Test coming up. Uh, the Volkswagen Atlas Cross Sport will be the car of the week. We'll tell you about a golf tournament that's coming up that you can participate in, and uh, we'll also, you know, wrap and flap as we do on this show uh, so well about cars. So when we come back, we'll take a quick break here. When we do come back, we will uh, talk to Martin Shore of the Car Guy Chronicles. I'm looking forward to this conversation with him right here on Drive Time Radio. No matter how you say it, cruce con la verde, en el medio pierde. It always means the same thing. Attraversate soltanto al segnale verde, mai nel mezzo della strada. Cross at the green, not in between. Geht darüber de gas, nur denn wenn es green, nicht ergeht zwischen den Mitten vom Block. It means cross at the corner, never in the middle of the block. Don't walk until the light turns green. Always cross at corners where motorists expect you and where you can see them. Cross at the green, not in between. In any language, it's a way of life. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Use your eyes to look up. Use your ears to hear. Walk up to the corner when the coast is clear. And wait, and wait, until you see the light turn green. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. Don't cross the street in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle, in the middle of the block. On the path to good health and well-being? Alternative Talk 1150 is the station for you. And back with you here on Drive Time Radio. Thank you so much for listening to our show this morning. You can find us on social media on Facebook at uh, Drive Time Radio and TV. And we would love it if you go to our Facebook page where we post all our shows and other information about cars, old and new. Uh, during the week, if you'd have gone there, you'd have found out about the brand new Toyota models that were introduced this week and we'll tell you more about those uh, on another show but right now we get a chance to spend a few minutes with a gentleman who has chronicled a story uh that has been legendary and we're kind of lucky that he chronicled it because he's legendary also the story of astoria chaz this corvette that was purchased from uh, at the time i guess a pretty new a uh, place out in Long Island, uh, well, a dealer that brought to this place out on Long Island, Motion Performance, uh, Baldwin Chevrolet. Mark Shore was uh, one of the people who put that place, helped put that place on the map along with Joel Rosen. And um, Performance lived there in the 60s and the early 70s. And he joins us right now. Uh, Mark, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Things are great here in Sarasota. How are you doing? I'm good, Martin. You know, it's raining here in Seattle, so what else is new? 
<laughs> it's always raining in Seattle, and it's always sunny in Sarasota. And you know what I always tell people? It's, it, the sun's shining in my heart, so what else do you need, right? But the story, of course, of a story of Chaz is one that is legendary. Chaz goes out, uh, young man Charlie Snyder from a story. He's interested in street racing. Uh, lots of people know him around the neighborhood. His mom owns the local candy store. Uh, one of the local candy stores of many. It's the place, if you're unfamiliar with New York, the candy store in the uh, 60s. Uh, everybody goes there at night to get their father the paper. You know, you run up to get the paper. You know, dad tells you, here's a nickel. Uh, go get the paper and bring it back to me, and then you can go do what you want until 11 o'clock. And so the candy store, uh, as was the gas station in those days, are focal points of our existence. We wait for that news truck to, um, uh, you know, to, to come down and, and drop the papers off, and they come out and they snap that wire bailing, and everybody grabs the paper, takes it back to their pop, then comes back to the candy store. So in the neighborhood uh, with uh, uh, Chaz's mom owning the candies, a lot of people know him. We have Martin Snyder back right now. How's this connection, Marty, better? Works good. Thanks, Vinny. Ah, yeah, we can see that. It's live radio, my friend. You just tap dance a little <laughs> bit until, until something comes to show business. Um, so I was just telling people while, while we were getting you back about the connection and why probably a lot of people in the neighborhood before uh, Charlie bought the Corvette um, knew him because he, his mom owned the candy store. And when we were growing up in New York, that's what you did. You went down, you bought your, you, you know, you bought the paper for your pop, you ran it back home, and that's how you stayed in his good graces. Right. And um, and so let's let's pick up his story. He goes, he buys this Corvette, he takes it out to you guys, and I'm always unclear on whether he bought the car from Motion Performance or no, he brought I'll, the car I'll, to Motion Performance. Yeah, I'll make that clear because. I'm not even sure if he bought the car from Baldwin Chevrolet or not. And, and the reason that Baldwin Chevrolet was on the car, in the uh, livery on the car, was because Baldwin Chevrolet supplied lots of the parts for the car. And um, essentially, Charlie was just a young street racer, the nicest guy in the world. I mean, he, he looked like he just walked out of central casting for a movie. Uh, he could have been another James Dean, uh, just a nice guy. And he bought this car. It was a 427, 435, 67 convertible, four-speed, uh, two tops. Uh, and he raced it, and he wasn't going fast enough. So he brought the car to motion performance. In Baldwin. Now, to be clear, I had nothing to do with motion performance. That was just a speed shop that was involved, owned by a friend of mine. And uh, he got Joel Rosen to dyno tune it and make it run a little bit better. And then he took the tri power off and put a single four barrel on. And then one day, he decided, or Joel Rosen decided, we'll put an L88 in the car. Now, they only built 20 L88 67 Corvettes. This is not one of them. And uh, put the engine in the car, ran quite well. Now, we're talking about essentially a young kid 
buying a Corvette in 67 brand new. And it's hard to really fathom that in, in July of 68, he was no longer with us. Uh, he got killed in Vietnam. And so um, in any other time, the car would have just been another car that was at Connecting Highway or at West Hampton or at New York National. But it suddenly became a tribute to a young man who was killed in Vietnam. And uh, he drove the car and he got drafted. He got drafted, I think he got drafted in uh, February 68. He hadn't yet turned 20 years old. And he had plans to uh, tour the car around the country and get married to his high school sweetheart, a girl by the name of uh, Terry Burkett. I never knew her. I saw a picture of her one time that Charlie had in his wallet, and she was really a very, very good-looking young woman. And they would have made a great couple. And he was going to get married. The draft came along. And uh, he went into the service, and he chose to, I guess, he was offered choices, and he went with the 1st Cavalry, ended up in an airborne group, and uh, got to Vietnam somewhere, I guess, mid-'68. He couldn't have been there more than two months before he was killed. And it was an incredible shock to the family. And we were all pretty close then, Joe Rosen, myself, uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie's brother-in-law, I think, was working at the shop. And it was just a great crew of people. And suddenly he was gone. And uh, the family just fell apart. And because of this, uh, some of the guys from Motion, including someone from Baldwin Chevrolet, John Marla, who supplied the parts for the car, took the car to, um, I think it was the AHRA uh, record meet at Englishtown. I'm trying to think the exact details on it, because I have it somewhere around here. They got the car ready, took it to a record meet, and set the record. And when the the uh, AHRE people came around, um, they put down on the record in memory of Astoria Chaz. And it was a very touching thing because the actual guy's names were never put on other than a Charlie's name. And I believe... The car set a record of somewhere in the uh, mid-1150, 124 miles an hour in A-Sport, set a record. They took the car home and then over the next couple of weeks modified the car to put a Generation 2 L88 open chamber heads on the car, made a few mods, went back to Englishtown and ran a 1070 which was really quick for those days for a Corvette like that. Yeah, I, you know, and then the car was brought... Today, 
And that's a, that's an incredible time back then. Yeah, I mean today, of course, nobody notices that, but but back then, you got to remember, Corvettes weren't drag racing cars. They had independent rear suspensions. They were not ideally suited, but they ran a they they ran in the sports class, and they were pretty quick. And um, John Marler went back to the track, ran a ten seventy four, and then gave the sister the car, Charlie's sister was alive and gave Sharon the car uh, and she put it in the garage and it sat there for a gazillion years. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was never touched. The, the, the markings on the car from English town were never taken off the windows. And the original 1967 New York state registration was still in the glove compartment. And so uh, everybody is trying to buy this car, and Sharon won't sell it. And over the years, she was befriended by a young man on Long Island named Glenn Spielberg. He used to watch while Charlie worked on the car. He knew the car inside and out. He used to stop by all the time, watched it on the school bus when he passed the house, and he became Sharon's friend, and Sharon was getting sick. And he would bring food to her house. And he would sit with her. And he sat with her for years. And finally, he offered to buy the car and promised her he would never restore it. He would never sell it. It was going to be displayed just the way it is. And essentially, Glenn bought the car. And um, the car is in his collection today. It's not for sale. He shows it at an occasional show. And every time he shows it, it's a tribute to Charlie and to his service in the Army and losing his life in Vietnam. And uh, I can tell you, you know, I'm sorry for running on without you getting in the middle of it. Oh, no, no, that's okay. I want to tell the story of the car. I'm, listen, people hear me all the time. I, I, I'm about telling the story because I think, I've, listen, I, I grew up watching this car on the Connecting Highway. I mean, I, I was an old Connecting Highway guy. Right. And, and, you know, my dad owned gas stations on both ends of the Connecting, so I remember so many of these cars uh, on the Connecting Highway. So many of these cars have gone. They've been cut up. They've been. Uh, this is one that not only has a fascinating story about being a racer at the Connecting Highway, but also the added story of um, of uh, Charles Charlie's death and and how he, he died in service of his country. So listen, I I you, you <laughs> I just just sit back and listen to you tell. And I well, think me... many of the people that are listening to the show today. Uh, could also do the same thing. Martin Snyder uh, Shore is with us. Excuse me, Martin Shore, uh, former editor of, uh, of of many automotive magazines and uh, PR guy for um, still is a PR guy. Sarasota Cafe Racers. Marty, why? I mean, this car was significant when I was growing up. Is that it? It was one of the f- quickest cars down on the Connecting Highway. It was for a while. And there were cars before it and cars after it because they were running on the connected highway since they dug the thing in the ground uh, back in Astoria. But why did this car uh, remain so significant even before 
he passed away? Was it just that it was the fastest vet out there or one of the fastest vets out there, or was there something more to the story? Well, I, I, I think, you know, once you get past the fact that he was a really great, nice guy, good-looking, friendly, the car was fast. There's no question about the car was fast. You know, Vinny, you would understand this. It was one of these cars that was a combination. The 427 engine, the lighter Corvette, Joel Rosen made it work. The car hooked up, and then when he put the L88 in the car, it was ferocious. And it no longer became that good a street car. It became mostly a track car, but the car was, was very significant in the way it looked with gold leaf lettering on a uh, maroon car. I had the exact same, you know, years later I bought the exact same car with a 427, the exact same color, the exact convertible, uh, because I, I was just in love with that car. It just had that, that certain look that, that made it work. And, um, but there's a couple of interesting side stories here, which I think you and your audience would appreciate. Um, I wrote the motion book, Motion Performance, Tales of a Muscle Car Builder, in, um, I guess it was 2009. My daughter, who met Charlie when she was a little kid, remembered meeting him and remembered following the story. So in 2007, she did a book and a show in New York City on Charlie. And uh, she's a very well-known uh, photographic artist and commercial fashion photographer in New York. And she did a show in New York that also went to Dijon, France. And the show was kind of remembering Charlie because he was that kind of guy. And the show in New York was critically reviewed by all the media, drew an incredible crowd, and uh, it had her illustrations, some of my photographs, and then it had um, display cabinets full of Charlie's childhood papers and things and memorabilia and family stuff. And uh, his sister contributed to that, and Glenn Spielberg, brought stuff in, and it was just a great show. She did a book. It was called There I Was, about Charlie and losing his life in Vietnam. And so that was very good. And then my book came out uh, two years later in 2009. But what's really interesting is Charlie was engaged to Terry Burkett, who he met in high school. And he was going to get married, and then he got drafted. And the plan was that as soon as he got his first R&R, he was going to go to Hawaii, meet Terry, and get married. Now, I didn't know Terry. I didn't know he was going to be married. I didn't know anything. But I got a phone call one day after my book came out from Terry Burkett. I almost fell off my chair. She tracked me down because she lives a half a mile from me in Sarasota. 
and I couldn't believe it. And so I met her for lunch one day. We had pizza together, which is, a, as you well know, a New York tradition. Uh, and we had pizza and talk. Now, now, of course, when I met her, she was no longer this kid who was going to get married. She was an older woman now, but she looked gorgeous. She had hair all the way down her back. It was all gray, and she was just delightful. And she told the story about Charlie and how much they were in love. And uh, I gave her a copy of the book. I signed it for her. Uh, I haven't seen her since, but I know she's around. And Did she uh, the significance of, of the car and, and, and the, the story? Well, the, the, the thing is that, that it's a story that doesn't seem to want to go away. You know, there, there are thousands of drag cars, and even thousands of drag cars where the owners have died in Vietnam. We know that because we've seen so much, so much of that publicized over the years. But this car seems to have a life of its own. And the, the legend of the whole thing has a life of its own. And I'm not even keeping it going. It, it's, he still has fans out there who post on Facebook and other social media. Uh, I was able to track down the pit crew. Now, the pit crew um, was John Holdorf, who was married to Charlie's sister. He passed away. Charlie has passed away. There was another guy, and we cannot find him. But the youngest member in the picture that I just posted on Facebook of Joel Rosen making a run with the car uh, is Jim Powell. And Jim Powell was a little kid then. Well, today he is a car guy, and he's living in Solvang, California. He's a creative director of an agency. He's a graphic artist. Uh, he's a, he has become a good friend of mine. Uh, he's a contributor to the Car Guy Chronicles. Uh, and we often talk about Charlie. Now, it's a story that won't go away, and I'm really happy that it won't was go away be because... Wasn't there at one point, weren't they talking about... I know the car had a website and everything, and I know that, that there have been several tribute cars built, you know, cars that look like it are not exactly it, but... At one point, I remember maybe 10, 12 years ago, wasn't there a movie about this story supposed to happen or a script written or something? Yes. Um, I don't have any more details than you have, but someone sent me a note years ago that they had a script and are trying to get it produced. I, I never really had contact with the person, and to the best of my knowledge, nothing was ever done, but a lot of people talk about it. Now... Uh, earlier this year, this Corvette restoration shop on Long Island replicated the car. Right. And uh, it was done in conjunction with a program on a Discovery Channel that this shop has built cars that never existed. Uh, Corvettes that never happened, they built one. And uh, they do very nice work, and their restorations look fine. And um, they decided they were going to replicate Charlie's car, Commotion. And 
I was not happy about that. They tried to get um, uh, Gary the Brush, who had uh, striped that car, to stripe their car. Gary refused to do it. Uh, I tried to talk the people at A&E out of doing it on, on that Discovery Channel show, but they did it. And from 20 feet away, it looks like the real thing. You get close, and it's not. But the good part of that is I believe they were selling tickets for a raffle for that car with the proceeds to go, all the proceeds to go to a military charity um, that takes care of veterans. So I, I thought that was the good part of it. Well, but when that car if... appeared, I'm sorry, Vinny, go on. Okay, no, I was going to say, if, if hopefully someday, if they ever do sell that car, that that's, um, you know, because eventually all of these cars are sold because the, we all don't live forever, but yet the cars <laughs> seem to live a, a longer life than most of us. Uh, Absolutely. They'll, they'll use that money to do something like that. Martin, where, where and we only have a short amount of time left, where does this car sit? In the, in Corvette history, is it is it the um, you know listen there's you know there's, there was rumors I was in Cuba a few years ago and there was rumors that Fidel Castro had a Corvette in his personal collection in his garage we weren't looking for it we found a couple of other ones uh, uh-huh. we didn't find that particular one uh, there's certain other Corvettes around where does this car sit in the range of the history of uh, of Corvettes well most history of Corvettes revolves around original cars and the next thing it revolves around revolves around is uh cars that were raced successfully so you got cars like john greenwood's car and you got a, a whole slew of uh, a production b production corvettes that ran scca imsa they're part of racing history this car has an unusual niche uh, because it was so publicized and belonged to a young man who was killed in Vietnam within two months of him arriving and the car setting a record uh, in memory of him and then the car being discovered and coming out, it's always going to be in the history of Corvettes, but it's probably going to play a very small role compared to original cars with like the 20 L88 Corvettes or the uh, couple of ZL1 Corvettes or the big tank cars or the fuely cars, they're part of Corvette history that's going to be forever. Something like this falls in the history, but not, not in the history of the car so much as the history of people. And I personally right. think it's, that it's our hobby... Car, I, I agree, the interest in this car is not as a, a Bloomington Gold or, a, you know, a, a, a Chip's Choice, although I believe it was a Chip's <laughs> Choice at, uh, at Carlisle one year. Um, but in, in that connection that we all feel, that the, the guys like us, and I don't even know if, if these days people feel that connection to the connecting highway, 
so wonderfully named, and to um, uh, you know, to that street racing scene. Right. Even though there is one today, it still doesn't duplicate that that 1960s, 1950s, 60s, and 70s scene down at the Connecticut Highway and on Cross Bay Boulevard and Foster Avenue in Brooklyn and all the different places in New York City and California. I mean, and I'm sure every straight piece of highway in between uh, that was around. And because I think now you go and you buy a car like that. In those days, I think for the most part, I, I mean, I spent the, the, the better part of my misspent youth under a car trying to, you know, hook it and pull an exhaust pipe down so the car could run, roll it down the ramp at the connector in front of Perry's auto body and run the car, you know? Well, you, you know, Vinny, eventually this car has to be sold uh, because we don't live forever and um, we get to a certain stage in life where it becomes more of a nuisance than a pleasure. And, and I think, I know that Glenn has turned down over a million dollars for the car. Um, and there's always people who want to buy it. And I think that somewhere along, as Glenn gets older, he'll probably find a good home for it. The car really belongs in a museum. It belongs so people can see it. Because it is very typical of an era that people don't associate corvettes and drag racing corvettes were sports cars so uh when you see a corvette that's been set up for the track quarter mile track there's not that many around that made a big splash in those days and i think it'll always be an attraction and then when you add the the uh history of charlie and him dying in vietnam as a young person and uh his life being snuffed out at an early age and blah, blah, blah. Uh, it becomes something that's going to be around long after we're gone. And I'm very happy to hear that, really. Yeah, yeah, really. That, that does my heart good to know that this story, you know, 20 years from now, somebody who is doing a show like this will call somebody that, uh, that does what you do, uh, or hopefully you Martin, I mean, we'll be around. Hopefully, we'll still be around in twenty years, and somebody will uh, will will call us and say, "Hey, listen, what about this uh, this Corvette that used to run on the Connect?" And Martin, I really appreciate you taking some time uh, to. Matter of fact, speaking about the Connect and Highway, uh, yeah. I, I I just want to mention uh, quickly because I just noticed on Facebook it was Steve Oldham's birthday today. Yeah, uh, his dad yeah. Joe Oldham, who so uh, wonderfully chronicled in a book. Uh, the story of the connecting highway that's available. And your book about um, motion performance is also available, right? Right. It is. It is. It definitely is. And uh, go to Car Guy Chronicles and get it? uh, You can go to Amazon. If you go to Amazon, it's motion performance. The way things are going right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, It's motion performance, tales of a muscle car builder, and uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, I also have another book, Day One, which is my muscle car memoir, and that's also on Amazon. And essentially that tells all about the the golden years of muscle cars from the perspective of someone who drove them when they were brand new. So that's Day One. Uh, 
those were, those were the days. Martin, it's good to talk to you, man. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll catch up with you soon. Thank you so much for taking some time. Thank you, Vinny. Thank you, take, Vinny. Care take care now. All right, take care. Be safe, Martin. Mark Shore joining us uh, here on uh, Drive Time Radio, the story of just one of the uh, the legendary Corvettes uh, that still exist. And I, and I agree with him. I hope that someday, someway, that car winds up in a museum somewhere uh, so that uh, those of us who remember it can touch it once again and see it and look at it. And those of us who, uh, those people who, not us, but those people who, love cars and love Corvettes and love the history of uh, collector cars and drag racing and everything, can take a look at, uh, at the story. Not only know the story of the Corvette, but know the story of the driver of that Corvette and representative of so many people, so many young men and women who drove these cars, who raced, and then went off to Vietnam. We all know that story of the guy who found a car in the barn. Uh, his, his, uh, you know, the the daughter uh, uh, selling the car for the father who passed away in Vietnam, and they held on to the car. This, uh, as Marty said, there's tons of those stories out there. Uh, this may be the most popular of all of those stories, but all of those people who sacrificed their lives so that we can enjoy what we enjoy today. And and whether you love life right now or think life is uh, horrible right now with this uh, coronavirus that we uh, all are experiencing. Uh, these are the people that passed away and gave their lives so that we can experience what we, uh, what we experienced today. Okay, uh, we're running way over. Listen, let me take a quick break. we got the cartoon of the week for you coming up. Uh, we're moving things around a little bit, but great interview with Martin Shore. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and thank you so much uh, for uh, participating in our little Drive Time Radio program here on 1150 KKNW. Well, 56 is almost gone. Only three more days. We made a lot of friends sold a lot of Chevrolet. But let's not wait till New Year's Eve at some time past 11. Let's go explore what lies in store for 1957. May 57 bring you all its best along the way. Good health, good friends, good times galore in your new Chevrolet. The big buy in the low-price field will win in any test. All point-by-point -point comparisons show Chevy leads the rest. May you enjoy the special air of springtime, clean and new. Enjoy it every bit as much inside your Chevy, too. The outside air can breeze right through this brand-new intake vent improving air supply as much as 22%. May friends add to your happiness, and may days be filled with fun, and may you often have a chance to choose your favorite one. In Chevrolet, you have a choice no other car can touch. Five engines, five transmissions, only Chevy has so much. the harvest of the highways across the land.
when again the end of one more year is close at hand, and you count all the good things that you've gained along the way, perhaps the best of all the rest will be your Chevrolet. And although our show is far from being over, on behalf of your authorized Chevrolet dealer, let me wish you a very happy New Year. Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150. Right back with you here on Drive Time Radio, New York videos. We pay tribute uh, this uh, Memorial Day weekend to those who uh, lost their lives in service of our country. Uh, just before we get to our cartoon of the week, I want to remind you uh, that my friends at Menashe Sun Jewelers in West Seattle uh, are a very different jewelry store. Uh, there's only one Menashe and Sons. You have this, as everybody else, and then there's Jack Menashe and uh, his crew over there in West Seattle. Uh, they are friendly. They greet you with a hello. Jack, Josh, another family member is, is talking to you when you walk in. Uh, if you have something specific in mind, you know, time has stopped. Our lives have stopped. But people have asked people to get married. People are still getting married. You see the different ways that they're doing it. They're still buying people birthday gifts. They're still doing all of that stuff. And Menashe is there to help you with that perfect ring, that perfect necklace, the ID bracelet uh, that you want to help you make it a reality. Whether it's something that you have floating around in your head or something that they've created already, they will work with you to make you happy. That's what the Menashe experience is all about. They work with you to make you happy. They're a full-service jeweler. If you need an appraisal, a repair, a watch repair, maybe you're looking to sell some jewelry, um, they're the people you want to talk to. Menashe & Sons has a wide selection of estate jewelry, uh, really the biggest in the Northwest, whatever discipline, Art Nouveau, Edwardian, uh, that you want to look for something in. They have it all there and all in one place. And they give you the straight-up scoop on what it takes to fix it, if it's worth fixing. They're honest. That's the thing I like about these people is I've used them for years. They are honest. 4532 California, southwest near the junction. Online, the way to find them right now, the best way, MenasheJewelers.com. It's M-E-N-A-S-H-E. Jewelers.com, and on Instagram at Menashe Jewelers. The experience is worth the trip to West Seattle, but you don't even have to make the trip. All you got to do is click on them on your computer and tell them New York Vinny sent you. All right, it's time now for here on Drive Time Radio, our Drive Time Cartoon of the Week. I think this one fits along with our theme of the day. I think it's going to bring a tear to your eye. David Ball is a singer and a songwriter out of uh, Nashville. Uh, his band, Uncle Walt's band, is um, was one of the, the great Americana sound, traditional country, new country bands in the 90s. Uh, and in 2001, he created this song, or he sang this song. Actually, it was created by a couple of songwriters, but he sang this song, and I think a song that tells the story in many ways of what we just heard from Martin Shaw, the story of, uh, of uh, a, a, a serviceman who loses his life, and, um, but yet in some way lives on with us all. Uh, here is Riding with Private Malone, 
on uh, the uh, Cartoon of the Week on Drive Time Radio. And there you go, Riding with Private Malone, the name of that one. And uh, from singer-songwriter David Ball. And uh, I, I don't know about you, when it, it gets to the part about Private Malone pulling him out of the fiery wreck. And, uh, you know, I, I know, listen, uh, some people believe in that kind of stuff, some people don't. Uh, I, I just, uh, you know, you lose it. You, you kind of lose it. You lose it listening to that song and listening to... Uh, Listen to that story, and again, a story that pays tribute to, uh, as do, you know, there's a couple of actual uh, car-related songs, especially in the country genre, that uh, pay tribute to servicemen that lost their lives, as uh, we are doing here on Drive Time today. So David Ball, you can find it uh, on uh, that album from 2001, I believe, or the name of the album, Amigo. And out of Rock Hill, South Carolina, David Ball, uh, you would do yourself well if you like country music and you don't know about him uh, to go out and uh, and learn a little bit more about uh, his work. He's a fine country singer, especially that uh, Uncle Walt's band uh, that uh, was around with their album Thinking Problem back in you know the the mid '90s. Uh, did a nice job too. I, I'm not such an expert in country music to tell you that. You know, I know all about uh, all about country music and and so on and so forth. It um, it's uh, it's one of those genres of music that have kind of uh, you know I know a little bit about it. I know the hits and stuff like that. But when you get into the more uh, recent stuff and the, the today country, the country music of today, uh, I kind of get lost a little bit. I lose myself in in some of that stuff. Uh, but, uh, once again, uh, David Ball, well worth checking out. That is our cartoon of the week as we uh, work our way up toward 9 o'clock here on uh, Drive Time. I don't have time to do a full review uh, of the uh, Volkswagen Atlas Cross Sport, uh, but I did want to give it a mention. Uh, it was the car of the week, the road test car of the week last week. And I got a chance to uh, to take it. As a matter of fact, if you go to our Drive Time page on Facebook or our page on YouTube, our channel on YouTube, which is Golden V Media, you'll see a short little goodbye uh, video that I do on all of these cars uh, that I drive. Each week we do a, uh, when I have to turn them back in, I do a little goodbye video where we tape, you know, we film the car, we video the car and do a quick little walk around and let you see and then wave goodbye to it, and it goes off into the sunset. And we have uh, another car for next week uh, to tell you about. So we'll do the review on the uh, Atlas next week, the Atlas Crossport. Uh, I, I thought uh, a spectacular car. Uh, if you're in that market for an SUV, if you're in the market for a full-size, it's Volkswagen's take, really, on the full-size SUV, the Crossport only comes in a two-seater. They do have a three-seater Atlas, but all of the Atlases, and this is the third Atlas I've driven um, in the past year, and all of them uh, have not disappointed me. The Crossport, especially uh, nubile, especially roomy. You know, I'm working on a, a, a piece that we're going to do that talks about Big and tall cars, you know, cars for guys like me that are a little wide, 
you know, a little hefty, a little tall. Maybe I'm not tall, I'm short, but, you know, guys that need a little, and women, too, that need a little extra room. People that need a little, a, a place to park their butts in the car where you're not feeling like when you put the seatbelt on, you're strapped into the Apollo 12 or something like that. You're, you know, you want to feel like you have a little room to move around and every, you know, you're not just squeezed in there. And there are cars, even smaller cars, uh, that are like that. As a matter of fact, I'm driving one this week in a Toyota Supra, little sports car. But much as they did with the um, uh, the Toyota 86, you know, that other little little less expensive sports car, uh, there's room in there for a big person. It's been designed so that if somebody with uh, a bit of, uh, of width to them or a bit of depth to them get in that car, they can buckle the seatbelt. They don't feel like they're pinned in there. Uh, they feel like there's uh, there's room, a little room to move. You don't feel like if, uh, God forbid, you have an accident in that car, that they're just going to fold you up and put you in a box and send you somewhere, that they'll be able to get you out of the car and uh, that you feel uh, safe in that car. So, um, so that's what I'm driving this week. That's our little feature. Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week, which we uh, do on our uh, spot. So I, I want to encourage you. We're going to put this up on our podcast on Anchor and on the different podcast networks. We like Anchor uh, because uh, you can get the full music on Anchor on our podcast when we put it up there. I put them up there myself so that we can give you the full uh, the full songs on there. And that, um, that you check us out on social media as well. It has been um, an honor to be able to tell you the story of a story of Chaz this morning, to be able to tell you our stories every week about cars and about car culture. We'll be back with you next week as well, hopefully if the Lord's Will in the Creek don't rise, and uh, have some more information for you, interviews, and so on and so forth. Now, we'll uh, leave you with a few snippets of this song to take us out of here. Please remember somebody who uh, lost their life Uh, so that we can enjoy the lives that we do and have a safe Memorial Day weekend. See you next week.